Hello, everyone, and welcome to A-Ball with Eric Os. I am Eric Os, and it is good to have you with us on what is going to be episode number 15 of A-Ball, as we will be talking with the hitting coach for the Clinton Lumber Kings, a interview that we did record a couple of days ago. It was the day before the 4th of July on the 3rd out in Beloit, as this broadcaster was on assignment. But Frank Moore, the hitting coach, who is part of a ever-growing coaching staff, as we have found out with the Lumber Kings adding the defensive coach, mainly working with the outfielders and Nate. Nathan Michaelis, and he, we've seen him over at first base. We touched on him briefly last week, but for Frank Moore, he's been with the squad since opening day and the longest-tenured coach in the Miami Marlins organization, so a good guy to pick the brain on what he sees in the organization over the couple of years and now being part of this rebuild here in the Miami Marlins organization. And so far, at least when it comes to the winning side of things, it's something that you certainly want to develop, even at the single-A level, a winning tradition. That is starting to be the case, at least in the second half for the Clinton Lumber. Kings. They've been one of the hottest teams in the Midwest League, in fact, in all of minor league baseball since the second half had begun and really since the first three games were out the door because that was a rough start to the second half for the Lumber Kings after dropping three straight games in Wisconsin. Since then, all they've done really is win. They had won six straight games following that losing streak, their longest winning streak of the season. They then followed that up with a series loss to the Quad Cities River Bandits but no no fear. Four straight wins following that. The Lumber Kings then taking two out of three from the Kane County Cougars as we record this on the league-wide off day for the Major League Baseball All-Star Game Tuesday, July 9th. The Lumber Kings are tied for first place in the second half with those Kane County Cougars, the single-A affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks and it has mainly been done on a resurgent offense. It has also been done on the strength of several strong pitchers. We had spoken with one of them on the last episode in Jake Wall he had another impressive outing his last time out, which was on July 8th, as he picked up his first win of his professional careers. So a big congratulations to Jake for that first professional career win, well-deserved, because he was a guy that was really kind of the rainmaker for the Lumber Kings and seeing his starts eaten up by bad weather. We had talked about it with... I believe Jake for a brief period, but he had gone through a start in Cedar Rapids where the Reigns had found him and won only one inning. He'd given up a two-run homer in that first inning. That was back on June the 15th in Cedar Rapids. The Reigns had then come, and so he was out of the game. We did not see him again, but those two runs were enough to hang with the loss. And then just, I think it was three starts later, he was out in Beloit, and the Reigns found him again, this time over three and two-thirds innings, so he was unable to qualify for a win. So it was nice to see him finally be rewarded with that win, even though we know that stat is starting to go the way of the dodo bird, so to speak, or at least where that's where the influence is. Certainly, Walters has pitched well enough to earn some of the wins, as have the Lumber Kings, who have had a lot of different moving parts in the rotation in particular. The Lumber Kings are going to be seeing the promotion of Tyler Jones up to the high A Jupiter Hammerheads, and that is going to be Messing with the Lumber Kings rotation as they're getting set to begin a swing against the Eastern Division for the final time in the 2019 regular season. Jones was slated to start for when this episode is set to come out on Wednesday, July 10th. That, of course, will not be the case. Called up to the High A Jupiter Hammerheads, the Lumber Kings also seen one of their relievers, Bryce Howe, who we had touched on in the last episode. He was released from the Marlins. So as it stands at the recording of this, again on the league-wide off day, July 9th, Lumber Kings are playing two men down. They've got 23 men on the active roster before they will welcome in the Lake County captains on July the 10th. That'll be a Wednesday, and then the series will come to an end on Friday the 12th. They will then welcome in the San Diego Padres single-A affiliate, the Fort Wayne 10 Caps, for a three-game series here in Clinton starting on July 13th. The Saturday it will end on Monday, which is a Monday game at 11 
a.m. Baseball early start times do not typically mesh well with those who are used to a night schedule, so we will have to adjust our alarm clocks accordingly for that 11 a.m. start time. It'll be a pack the park with kids day, but kind of odd to think about just in the way the schedule has worked for the Lumber Kings over the last couple of seasons because for the Lake County Captains, a single-A affiliate of the Cleveland Indians and those Fort Wayne Tin Caps, it is their first trip to Clinton since 2016, so it has been quite a while. The last couple of seasons, Lumber Kings had played those teams out on the road. They will then hit the road to take on the Eastern Division in Great Lakes, a single-A affiliate of the Los Angeles Dodgers, and then wind it down against the Lansing Lugnuts, a single-A affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays. That will all come to an end on July 22nd, the interdivision matchups, which is the odd portion of the schedule because you never quite know what you're going to get with teams that will only face each other once in a season, but the Lumber Kings are playing some very good baseball as of late. There was one negative coming into the action on Monday, July 8th, which was the last day for the Lumber Kings before the league-wide off day, and that was Christopher Torres. Now, we've talked about him having this really high on-base percentage, but a relatively low average, and the average has really been consistently under the 200 mark for the better part of this season. It has even plummeted from there. Coming into that game, Torres had gone 0 for 25 for the Lumber Kings up at the plate. That would come to an end after he had stretched that skid to go 0 for 26. He had a base hit and the Lumber Kings win against King County. In fact, also had scored a run. He's had a lot of stolen bases. The Lumber Kings had set a new season high as a team for stolen bases the day before on Sunday afternoon. So we've seen them more aggressive on the base pass. They're also getting on base more often. Torres seen the bat hopefully come around after that skid had come to an end. And of course, big productions right now coming from Peyton Burdick, who is over the 300 mark for the Lumber Kings, and also Bubba Hollins, who has continued to swing a hot bat. We've seen Mike Jacobs move him up to the four spot in the cleanup role. Now he's now an undrafted prospect who we had talked to on the podcast, but Miami Marlins fans, you may want to take note of Bubba Hollins because he puts together some very consistent professional at-bats. It's a theme that is hit on anytime you talk to the coaching staff about Bubba, and we will, of course, be talking with Frank Moore about that when he joins us here on this episode. Just one of the impressive figures in the Lumber Kings now middle of the lineup that does not have a whole lot of swing and miss in his swing. Uses all fields and not a whole lot of pop for Bubba but he certainly has some power to the gaps. He has two home runs as we record this and has also been able to find the gaps, whether it's down the line or in the outfield at power alleys. But Bubba Hollins, as a result of that string of, of power, has been moved up to the fourth spot for the Lumber Kings, really protecting the bat of Peyton Burdick. We've also seen Connor Scott, his average steadily climb throughout the season, now up around the 220 mark on the year, while Will Banfield's average has gone down a little bit. The Lumber Kings, though, have really struggled against Kent County Cougars pitching, even taking two out of three from them. They were shut out in the first game of that series. It was the fourth shutout loss of the season. But the bats have certainly been more consistent than they were in the first half. It's why they come into the action against the Lake County Captains in the Eastern Division on Wednesday, July 10th tied for first place at the recording of this on the league-wide off day for the Major League All-Star Game. So we'll be talking about all the themes that are going on right now in Major League and Minor League Baseball between the shifting and just the evolution of the game over the last couple of years because while baseball may have a reputation of a conservative sport, over the last couple of seasons there has been quite a bit of movement in just how the game is thought of. And that is a good time to talk with the Lumber Kings hitting coach Frank Moore. He joins us next on A-Ball with Eric Oz.
Welcome back on A-Ball with Eric Ghost. We're now joined by the Lumber King City coach, Frank Moore, and we appreciate you taking some time to talk with us on a hot day here in Beloit, Wisconsin. The Lumber Kings, a hot team in more ways than one. So we were talking before we had gotten started with the offense, a big part of a six-game winning streak, which was the longest of the season. It had come off a, a slump at the end of the first half and kind of in the beginning of the second half. So how have the Lumber Kings kind of rebounded to have the success that they've had as of late? Uh, guys just uh, been putting themselves in a better position to hit, uh, taking what the pitcher's been giving them. Uh, I think going into the uh, the all-star break, a lot of guys put a lot of pressure on themselves, trying to do more than, you know, what was needed. Um, and they swung out the zone a lot. So uh, coming in the second half, just been trying to uh, just relay the, the message of being patient. Um, uh, take what the pitcher's giving you, uh, get your walks, and uh, next man up. Um, you know, kind of put the pressure on the next man versus uh, thinking that you have to do everything. So uh, it's been working out pretty good, knocking on wood. But, uh, you know, it's been fun to watch, uh, to see the guys make an adjustment. Um, and it's good to win. Yeah, I'd say so. It's always a, a loose group to be around with the Clint Lumber Kings. You mentioned the patience, and one guy to really highlight there would be Christopher Torres because he's so interesting. We record this on July the 3rd out here in Beloit, and you look at his average coming into this game, 177, you think, woof. But then you look at the on-base percentage. I mean, he's leading the league right now in walks with 51 of them. What can you tell us about Christopher Torres because he seems like sort of those new stats that people start to highlight more than the batting average, which you can kind of throw out, and as we found out too at home, he's got some sneaky pop as well for a switch hitter yes uh, I think he's you know the, the new age everybody wants to hit home runs and I think that's a big part of baseball now but you still have to get on base uh, and score runs and that's the bottom line and uh, it's good to see a kid uh, with his patience uh, to take his walks and you see his on base percentages right where he needs to be at and um, you know he's a big part of our success lately uh, just by getting on base stealing bases uh, sacrifice bunts doing all the little things that's in my opinion is lost art now in baseball because of all the home runs so um you know i'm happy for him and you know i hope he can continue the, the rest of the year well, it's funny you mentioned bunting because we were talking with Mike Jacobs. I think it was out in Cedar Rapids, and it was right after a win against the Peoria Chiefs, which is essentially won on a safety squeeze. And he was mentioning that being one of the most difficult parts of the field to defend if you can execute the bunt, and that certainly has led to a couple of wins for the Lumber Kings. So what goes into teaching that art of bunting that you mentioned maybe going the way of the Dodo Bird, but the Lumber Kings have certainly used it for a couple of wins this season. So what goes into teaching it that part of the game, which maybe players didn't really do a whole lot of in high school, school and college because they were the big hitters in their lineups I think it's just a mindset I think bunting is a, a mindset of something you want to do and again I think with the um, the stats and the launch angle and everybody wants to hit home runs you know you look at the World Series the last couple of years it's guys that's getting on base uh, sacrifice bunts uh, moving guys over um, all the home runs uh, slashy but at the end of the day those are not the ones that wins the World Series or the wins the championship so uh, I think that just goes with, you know, the mindset of the individual and uh, what you, you know, trying to get the best out of that individual. So uh, it's been good to see it. It's been good to work with these guys on, you know, the small things. Is that mindset kind of the, uh, I guess, being the hero, right, wanting to hit that home run as opposed to just being the guy who sacrifices himself for the team to get that win? Is that the mindset that you're trying to combat a little bit when it comes to bunting in particular? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, again, that's, that's like the, um, you know, the money goes to the home, the home runs, and, you know, you can't fault the guys for wanting to do that. But, you know, a home run is an accident, um, and, you know, you can try hard as you want to to hit a home run. It's not going to happen. 
you do all the little things correctly. You put yourself in the, the best position to hit a good pitch. And sometimes it works that way. And that happens a, a couple nights ago at Torres. He wasn't trying to hit a home run and lead off the game. But, you know, he worked the count. Guy made a mistake and he put a good swing on it. So uh, just a little bit of old school baseball of, you know, doing the little things to, to get some wins. And uh, it's been working out pretty, pretty much so far the second half. We'll be highlighting a couple of guys in this interview. Again, we're talking with the Lumber Kings hitting coach, Frank Moore. One of them, too, Bubba Hollins. He's got to be so much fun as a hitting coach to watch, right, because he puts the ball in play. He gets high average. He just seems like uh, what you would want a coach to have right there because he uses all sides of the field. He plays a pretty good defense over at third base as well. Comes from the major league mindset, right, mm-hmm. because his dad had been in the major leagues, had gone to the All-Star game. What can you tell us about Bubba Hollins, who maybe is one of the unsung heroes on a roster that has a lot of top prospects? on it yeah again I, I think he's a, a testament of uh, old school baseball um, he grinds out each at bat um, not trying to do too much you know he gets his base hits and he runs in some doubles um, plays a good defense and competes every day and I think that's the the bottom line um, with, with with baseball now is just competing every day you know um, not giving in to anything um, again putting yourself in the best position to, to have success and He's a testament of that. He works hard every day and uh, just a grinder every day. Wanted to pick your brain, too, on the coaching side of things because what have you felt have been the difference from your playing days into the coaching now because in that short period of time, a lot has changed in baseball, the way guys look at numbers, the way they're coached to as well, the way that they're developed. What have you noticed, I guess, from moving from the playing ranks into the coaching ranks with what seems like a very quick evolution in the game of baseball over the last couple of years? Um, You know, you, you – you have to change with the time. Um, but I think this game has been played many of years, um, and I think it's just one way of playing baseball. Um, I think at the end of the day, the stats and the home runs looks good. But if we're trying to create winners, it's back to old school baseball. You know, you 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 hit and run, you move guys over, you sacrifice bunt, you pitch, you play defense, and um, you know that's again you you take a little bit of the good a little bit of the bad and you you try to develop your own style or whatever you're trying to develop um within the organization but you know i I think hitting wise you just you just continue to try to put the person in the best position to hit the fastball and then you adjust them from that and then you go from there what do you tell the guys too when they're coming up from let's say batavia or the gcl and what to expect in the difference of competition from what they had seen before the pitches that they might be seeing i think we touched on it a little bit with mark defelice the pitching coach that you're not now starting to see a little bit more of a refined change up and a little bit higher up they might be getting to see the cutter so what do you tell your hitters to prepare them when they first get to clinton on the types of pitchers and talent that they'll be seeing here in the midwest league um i, I think um it's a little bit of old school um you hit it. You 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 sit on the fastball. Um, I think a lot of times you put yourself in a position to hit um, an elevator fastball, or a way fastball, an inside pitch fastball. You'll be able to adjust to the off speed. Um, I think what happens a lot of times is hitters start cheating to one spot, and they can only have one spot to hit. And um, you never know what location or pitch is coming, so you just you put yourself in a position to hit the fastball in the middle of the field and. You know, go back to when you was in high school or uh, regularly, you know, you, you just competed and, you you know, you put a good swing on the, on the ball. So um, I think it's a little science to it, but I think it's just going back to hitting the fastball and adjusting all speed. Well, one thing, too, that has really changed, too, and this kind of touches on what probably was just different, too, from playing days into your coaching career, 
all the shifts. I mean, everyone's moving all over the place. We touched on it with Bubba Hollins a little bit when he was on the podcast that in one inning he could be playing five different positions or at least what it looks like from the vantage points he's on the infield. And that we, of course, saw with Sean Reynolds when he was here in Clinton, a dramatic overshift onto the right side of the infield. Uh, it, it must be difficult that sometimes for guys that had a lot of success in high school and in college that were these dead pull hitters to then come up here and maybe struggle a little bit and see that shift and maybe have difficulty in trying to beat it by going the opposite way. What do you have to do as a hitter to maybe incorporate that? I know that's one of the big questions right now in baseball right now, right? That, yeah. you know, how can you beat a shift because it's so effective? Yeah. Um, I think the reason that, and this is my personal opinion, the reason why we have a lot of shifts now is because of hitters trying to elevate with launch angle and not putting themselves in position to hit the outside pitch away or, um, just make solid contact so I think with the launch angle you're, you're strictly limiting yourself to a pull pull side hitter even um, guys with no power um, just because they're trying to create launch angle versus allowing the launch angle angle to happen after contact so I think over time um, we'll get back to um, teaching guys how to be a professional hitter and if you have launch angle, it'll happen. And I think that's why you have a lot of shifts now. And, you know, to talk about how do you come back shifts, you, I think you, it's a mind, a mind thing for hitters. They want to hit through the shift, and um, that's where you get the rollover. So um, my, my mindset of what, you know, just talking to the guys is, again, stay in the middle of the field. Uh, you stay in the middle of the field, you're going to have more success than not. When we had the kids out for the kids' days early mornings out in Clinton, we had to talk to them about StatCast, and they were asking us questions about launch angles and spin rates and things like that. So the kids, they're, they're understanding at least somewhat what's going on. But one thing that we were trying to explain to them were the high strikeout rates in baseball, and that kind of goes back to the launch angle that you had mentioned. And you can see it at times. It just kind of kills a rally. So sometimes people will say a strikeout is just the same as any other out, but when you need a ground ball maybe to move a guy over or a fly ball to get a run in, all outs are not created equal in that sense. Exactly right. So what goes into uh, combating that a little bit too? Because as we know at the major league level, the strikeouts are at historic highs right now. Every year, um, you, you look at every year you have more strikeouts than than hits now, and um, I think it just goes back to uh, trying to create launch angle. I think and, you know if you're going to hit home runs, you're going to hit home runs. I don't care, you know, if you're a bigger guy or smaller guy. Um, I think it just goes back to. Uh, just being able to hit the fastball in the middle of the field, and um, I think it'll, it'll help overall game because the strikes, strikeouts will go down. Um, it'll be more production versus just waiting for a two-run home run. Um, you know, again, I understand the, the mindset behind it, um, but, you know, you just want to continue to kind of teach these guys the basic of hitting. Um, again, putting their, their bodies in, in positions to, to hit every pitch. I wanted to ask you, too, because you're one of the uh, veteran coaches, too, on the coaching staff, right? 11th season, I believe, in the Miami Marlins organization, and now they're in this rebuild, and that's evidenced by some of the top prospects that are here in Clinton. So what have you seen in the, the culture for the Miami Marlins in your time that's here and now part of this rebuild as they try to get back onto the winning side of things at the Major League level? Um, I like what I'm, I'm seeing. You know, you, you're, you're developing or you're getting uh, athletes um, just on a pos position standpoint that – you're able to um, to work with and uh, kind of develop to uh, what we're trying to create in in the major league level, which is a championship. Um, and I think that's the bottom line from you know our Dominican League to 
to the to triple a we're just trying to develop that mindset of of winning championships and um you know it's you you love that part of it because that's ultimate goal is winning the championship so uh, it's, it's really good to be a part of and and kind of enjoy the process of of what's going to be a, a great product and some of those players that I imagine the Marlins want to be on that next championship team are right here in Clinton right now. You've got the first-round pick in Connor Scott, very young, and so is Will Banfield, both the 19-year-olds that are on this team. But you talk to Connor, you talk to Will, you don't think that they're 19 if you had to make a guess. These are very mature baseball players and probably why they were selected so high and highly thought of, of course, Will was going to be going to Vanderbilt. He could have had a chance to win a College World Series <laughs> this right. year. But what have you seen from these young guys this season? It seems like Connor had a really slow start to the season. He's starting to pick it up. Banfield, it seems like the power is starting to come along very, maybe a little bit earlier than most had expected, seven home runs on this season. But of these top prospects, what have you seen from them now through, I guess, 80 games in the 2019 season? Um, well, I had them a little bit last year um, for about three or four weeks. And you just – to see them – from last year to this point has been really, really good to see just development side of um, them making some adjustments. Um, you know, every everybody has a different issue in, in their development stage, you know, swinging or defense or whatever, but just overall picture, just them slowing the game down mentally to, uh, to have some success. And uh, it's been really fun to watch them kind of make the adjustments with, with the league. And Banfield, I wanted to highlight a little bit, too, because when you talk about Will Banfield, you don't talk about offense at first. You talk about defense and the cannon, the howitzer of an arm back of the plate. It is evidenced by his success at throwing out would-be base dealers right around 60%, as, again, we record this on July the 3rd. Is this an instance where you just hands off, let Will be Will kind of thing, or is there type of uh, defensive footworking stuff that you can work with them on? Of course, is you can improve all the time. Yes, I, th I think that's the, you know, you don't definitely – uh, appreciate his tool behind the plate um, but you continue to work on trying to make that better um, again trying to um, make sure it, they realize that this is not the uh, the finished product and this is we want success here but the end result is to be prepared to be a, a championship player in the big league so um, you know so you always you know working with different things to make his strong suit stronger and the weaker suit a little bit stronger so uh it's been fun to watch him behind the plate um see guys taking a chance trying to steal and you know it's, it's pretty comical so i've never seen anything like it um but it's, it's really exciting to see I was joking with Will, too. The first time we saw it was on opening day in Kent County. Trey Holmes is over at first. He stole 25 bases the year before, and we're reading off the impressive numbers of Trey Holmes and all the speed he has. And then Banfield throws him out by plenty on an excellent jump on one of the fastest guys in minor league baseball. And we usually we're supposed to be descriptive when we call games. I think our call was just, wow. Yes, <laughs> oh, yes. he's out, by the way. <laughs> that is Will Banfield. Definitely yes. worth checking out. Well, does it help at all coming from the playing mindset to deal with these guys in relationship? with them a little bit that you know there's going to be some development of course that's frustration because everyone wants to be ready to go right away and you have to go through those growing pains is that something that you can kind of relate to in this group as we mentioned some younger guys too and get drafted in the first round you may think all right I'm, I'm ready to go but of course the minor leagues start coming you define it a little bit as you say is that something that you have to preach to these guys at all and yes they come here? yes because you know we want I think everybody wants instant gratification and um you know, you have to, one, let them know that, you know, I think the big thing that this is not where we want to be, you know, the greatest at. We want to be the greatest in 
in Miami or in the major leagues with some team, some organization. So I think that's the, the one message that we continue to preach as a staff is, you know, trusting the process um, that a lot of times they can't see um, the future because they haven't been past a ball. And uh, with the experience we have with Jacobs and DeFelice and our staff, like we see we've been to AAA in the big leagues and understand what's um, there against. So, you know, you try to help with the learning curve a little bit sooner than later. And um, I think that's the hardest thing for these guys to, to see because they only see Midwest League or A-ball that, okay, this pitcher only has a fastball and a curveball. Not understanding that higher you go, you're going to have pitchers throwing five and six pitches. So, um, so that I think that's the the biggest thing is just you know slowing the the game down with them mentally understanding that you know this is a process of of what we're trying to get to. Well, the Lumber Kings too have got some new faces from the 2019 draft class. So we've now we're in uh, what is it nine games through or 13 games through the first half. This will be the 13th game. You've got Evan Edwards who was selected in the fourth round of the 2019 draft out of NC State, who's now been here since the second half began, and then Peyton Burdick who was selected in the third round out of Wright State. He's been here I think since game two of the second half. So a little bit of a sample size you've seen from these guys again, part of this rebuild for the Miami Marlins. What have you seen from them? Because they've certainly impressed early on. Just to highlight Evan for a little bit, guy had right from the airport, he had no batting practice, no infield, has an RBI single, two-hit day, like it was nothing. And then, of course, Peyton Burdick, he's been around 400 to begin his time here. They've also been fun to watch as well. What have you seen from some of the new faces from the 2019 draft class? Uh, the excitement, um, you know, I think sometimes, you know, guys that's been in an organization for a couple of years get kind of complacent. And, um, you know, to see those guys come in excited, and to bring that that attitude of wanting to win every game um, definitely helps out and rubs off on these players. Um, but just to you know see how they go about their business, um, you know, Burdick is uh, really good swinging the bat right now, uh, playing a, gr- a really good defense. Um, he runs everything out. He, he grinds every at bat out. So it's really good to see him um, watch him every day. And uh, you know it's just just really good to see these guys. Um, Evan is, you know, really smooth around the bag at first base. Um, I think he's saved so many runs and errors already early on just by, you know, him being really sweet at first base. So uh, just, you know, just adding to um, to our roster to help us out uh, each day. Well, I wanted to let you go with this. I know you're the hitting coach, even though we had to do a second take on that when I originally called <laughs> you the pitching coach. And Frank really panicked because he thought he'd been reassigned to the <laughs> pitching side of things. But uh, the Clinton Lumber Kings on the defensive side of things had begun the season really kind of a, a poor start. You can kind of blame that on the, how cold it was to start the season here in the Midwest League. I mean, there was snow on the ground. It's 30 degrees out, which, of course, doesn't make it easy to feel your hands at times. But what have you seen just in the span of 80 games in this development of a team that is now, you look at defense, as being one of the strengths of the Lumber Kings here in the second half? Um, I, I think you said it in the cold weather here i don't think nobody uh could prepare for that and uh even you know we're talking about defense but even on the hitting side that's what i I stress and preach with our guys the first month of the season like you know just compete um it's going to warm up and we'll be right where we need to be at the end of the year and uh on the defensive side you can just see the difference with you know from cold weather to starting to get some weather that the guys could get on the field get a routine in because early in the year we, we really didn't have a routine we could get into because of, of the snow and the cold and the wind. So, you know, you know, the game was, I think was really quick, really fast for the guys just because of 
getting out of their routine and um, with the cold weather. So it's kind of good to see these guys kind of settle in and um, kind of show um, what they're capable of doing. Um, so it's been really, really good to see the transition defensively, uh, just putting ourselves as a team in a better situation to, to have a chance late to win games. Lumber Kings have been a certainly more polished team here in the second half. The new faces of the 2019 draft class are beginning to arrive and the development of some of the guys here since opening day. Frank Moore has been working with them the whole time, and we thank him so much for taking the time to talk with us here on A-Ball with Erica. Thank you no for stopping problem. by. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And welcome back on A-Ball with Eric Ghost. You just heard from the Lumber Kings hitting coach and Frank Moore. We have a big thanks for him for taking some time to talk with us. Out in Beloit, it was a hot one on July 3rd. The Lumber Kings would win that game. It was part of a four-game winning streak that included a pair of two-game mini-series sweeps with the Beloit Snappers, a single-A affiliate of the Oakland Athletics. And then over the 4th of July festivities, Lumber Kings swept the St. Louis Cardinals Single-A affiliate, the Peoria Chiefs, for that four-game winning streak. The St. Louis Cardinals affiliate, those Peoria Chiefs, are a team the Lumber Kings are handling very well. Now, of course, something we'll be keeping an eye on as this second half unfolds because they'll be playing each other quite a bit, especially towards the back half of the schedule. In fact, the season will end against Peoria here at home. But a team the Lumber Kings have now won nine straight games against. It is the longest winning streak in franchise history over the Peoria Chiefs. They've been playing since 1983. It also included a four-game series sweep, which we had touched on in the previous episodes on June the 25th through the 28th, which was the first ever four-game series sweep by the Lumber Kings in Clinton of the Chiefs. So there has been some historic ramifications for the Lumber Kings' run of success against Peoria, which has really built this record to an impressive start here in the second half. The Lumber Kings, as we had mentioned, tied for first in the second half in the Western Division with a 12-6 and record with the Kent County Cougars. It has been a bit of a rock pile when you look at the standings between not only Kane County and Clinton, but the Cedar Rapids Colonels, the single-A affiliate of the Minnesota Twins, as well as the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, the single-A affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers, and the Quad Cities River Bandits, the single-A affiliate of the Houston Astros. What it has meant for the Clinton Lumber Kings is that they do not have that much competition for the two playoff spots in the Western Division, because Cedar Rapids, they were the wildcard team in the first half, so they are not playing for anything, as are the Quad Cities River Bandits, who were the Western Division winners in the first half. So the competition for the Lumber Kings right now, it stands between Kane County and Wisconsin. We've seen a rather rough start to the second half for the Burlington Bees, Beloit Snappers and Peoria Chiefs with the Lumber Kings as we mentioned playing a rather large role in the lack of success for Peoria. Lumber Kings also did see a very long hitting streak and we had touched on it briefly, the success of Bubba Hollins' season. He had a 10 game hitting streak for the Lumber Kings which is their second longest of the season. 
Hollins, who has just been a really steady bat throughout this season, the only blemish really on his 2019 campaign has been the fact that he had missed a month because of a hamstring injury, which he had talked about when he was on the podcast. But other than that, Hollins, when he's been healthy and in the lineup, he hits around 300. He uses all fields. He's got some power to the alleyways, only two balls that have gone over the fence this season. But that steady stroke at the plate, a 10-game hitting streak, which was just two games shy of Gerard Encarnacion setting the season high so far for the Lumber Kings, which had begun this season. Hollins seeing that stretch end, he went right back to hitting, though. He's been in the middle of the Lumber Kings lineup as of late. So Lumber Kings have been seeing a little bit more production out of the offensive lineup matching this strong pitching staff. Alberto Guerrero has been sharp as well for the Lumber Kings. And we have also seen, of course, Jake Walters and Tanner Andrews. We wanted to touch on him a little bit just out of the starting rotation. He's had a pair of seven-inning starts for the Lumber Kings. The Purdue product, who was taken in last year's draft, has been very sharp. Those were professional career highs for innings pitched for Tanner Andrews. The record now up to 3-3. Three three on this season, a 3.51 earned run average, and he's really been meshing into what's likely now going to become a six-man starting rotation for the Clinton Lumber Kings with some of the promotions and we imagine reinforcements that will be coming down the pike for the Lumber Kings here in 2019 to close out the second half. Maybe a kind of a playoff push, if you want to say. Also, George Soriano, who has been so sharp, he had a complete game, a shutout performance for the Lumber Kings out in Beloit, which was truly remarkable. It was a, a dominant pitching performance that had come off a previously strong start for Soriano, who has just been throwing the ball so well through the month of June after having a rough month of May. He's now carried that into the beginning part, at least, in the month of July, that complete game at nine-inning shutout performance against the Beloit Snappers, which was obviously a very impressive thing to watch was because of how economical Soriano had been. It was the first player to do that for the Lumber Kings since Edwin Diaz in 2014. Of course, Diaz is known to baseball fans now as one of the best closers in all of professional baseball at the major league ranks. But when he was here in Clinton, he was a starting pitcher. And so Soriano at least filling in some pretty good company right now with Edwin Diaz becoming the first Lumber King again to do that since 2014. Probably the end is the best pitching performance we've seen from a Lumber King this season and in several seasons. So that has been probably the Lumber King's hottest pitcher as well. We've also seen Emmanuel Rodriguez, the former left-handed starting pitcher for the Lumber Kings. He has returned. In fact, had gotten the win for Clinton on a Sunday 10-inning performance or a 10-game 10-inning game, rather, against the Kane County Cougars, which turned out to be a 3-2 win. Found out right after that that Rodriguez would then be piggybacking a start for the Lumber Kings, as will likely be seen at Josh Roberson be coming back up here to the Clinton Lumber Kings after he had begun the season in the number two role in the starting rotation. In fact, he was episode number two of A-Ball. That's how long ago it was. Roberson with that great slider. It's going to be great to see him again. A very highly touted prospect in the Miami Marlins organization who's just had to deal with injuries. So it's good to see that he is back healthy at least to perhaps take over the, some starting rotation roles for the Clinton Lumber Kings in the second half. A team that should be playing for quite a bit as we get towards the latter half of the schedule. Exciting times here in Clinton. They are tied for first, and hopefully they will continue that string of success against the Eastern Division. The Lake County Captains and Fort Wayne Tin Caps who will be coming into town for a homestand that starts on Wednesday, July 10th. So a good time to start plugging shamelessly, of course, our 
broadcast side of things. But before we did so, we did want to mention one promotional item that will be coming up. We don't usually do this, but when you have a promotion this cool, we, of course, wanted to mention it. It'll be on Friday, July 12th against the Lake County Captains. It's what winds down that series. Lumber Kings had a former slugger that was here by the name of Tyler O'Neill, who, of course, baseball fans now know as the St. Louis Cardinals outfielder, whose dad was Mr. Canada at some point, so a muscle builder. And that is why the bobblehead will be having a bit of a twist on Friday because it'll be a Tyler O'Neill bobblehead, but it'll also have a bobble bicep to play on the muscle bound of former Lumber Kings outfielder that is courtesy of Casey's and Media Cop. So if you do think about coming down to the ballpark, that would be a good time to do so on Friday, July 12th. Of course, you can listen to all the Lumber Kings games and action throughout the 2019 season with yours truly on the call, Eric Ose. If you're in the broadcast range, that's 100.3 FM on your radio dials. For those of you who are outside the broadcast range, you of course can listen online at LumberKings.com via the TuneIn radio app. That will do it here for episode number 15 of A-Ball with Eric Ose. I want to thank everyone for listening and of course a special thanks to our guest this week and the hitting coach for the Lumber Kings, Frank Moore. Hopefully we'll see you out at the ballpark at some point this summer. If not, we will see you on the broadcast side of things or maybe next week on our next episode of A-Ball with Eric Oves. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you next week.